We have been working long enough that we are now able to predict the reactions we're going to get when we make certain suggestions. Dealing with pushback is part of our job as educational therapists, and we know our students so well, we often know how they're going to react to a new idea or new suggestion before we even present them with the idea. We love our jobs for a lot of reasons, but one of those reasons is because our learners demand creativity from us. And as you all know by now, Smarties, our learners get two ed therapists for the price of one. And often we've already problem solved with each other before talking to our learner about a change we feel is necessary for them to make. Educational therapy demands our thoughtfulness and intentionality in everything we do. Today, we're going to talk about how we know when the time is right to offer up an alternative suggestion or idea. We'll also talk about the top five objections learners have and talk about how we deal with it. Let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 58 of Learn Smarter, the Educational Therapy Podcast. I'm Rachel Cap. And I'm Stephanie Pitts. Smarties, I'm coming in a little hot today. (laughs) Steph has just been a really good friend to me. We've delayed this recording by about a half hour because I needed to list out all the irritants of life that were annoying me at this particular moment. This podcast is not one of them, but I just wanted to share that we're not always, always feeling good about all the things. Right, Steph? Yeah. Yeah. Life (laughs) is happening. And it's the very end of May. Mm-hmm. So even though you're not hearing this, we've moved on from all the things <laughs> that are going on today. Oh, I hope we've moved on. And it's summertime. But here's one of the things that is not irritating me today. We got an email from Jenny Crandall, Smarties. If you recall, Jenny was on episode 55, which was an on-air coaching call. And the name of that episode was How to Think Small to Get Big Wins with Jenny Crandall. And we had emailed her before her episode went live with the link and let her know that it was coming out. And this was her response. Yay, I'm excited to hear it. Carson is doing well. He's constantly reading, and it's almost to the point where I have to tell him to put the book down and go play with friends. His writing output has definitely increased, so now we're ready to start working on quality now that the quantity is there. I get comments from people saying how much he's changed in a good way and how he's a completely different kid. I'm a little nervous about him going back to school because I don't really know how to gauge where he is academically. I hope he's ready for seventh grade. Thanks for the gift you sent. Yes, Smarties, sometimes you get a gift from us. You ladies are doing (laughs) amazing things, and I'm so glad I found your podcast. You're changing people's lives. Thanks again, Jenny. First of all, when I read that email, when we got it, when it came into our inbox, I was feeling so good about the fact that she's seeing the gains that he's making and how he's starting to really love learning again, and she's taking it to the next level. Bravo to her because she's doing the hard work, but it's so nice to be a part of it. It's so nice. Part of that journey. It feels really good. And I feel like we were part of it. I don't want to take credit for everything at all because she's the one in the trenches doing all the hard work with her son, 
But one of the things that impressed us so much about her was how accurately she knew her kid. Mm -hmm. She really knew Carson's strengths and weaknesses and was doing everything that she could to help him. So for her to see the benefit of her hard work also is awesome. Yeah. And it's not always easy to be able to know your kids' strengths and weaknesses, right? So No, it's hard. It's really hard. And so I think that just that he's making these gains and hopefully next year is a whole different ball game for him and he really does continue on the path that looks like he's on right now. Mm-hmm. You know, it gives me like chills a little bit totally. that he's doing so well. And I'm so glad somebody that is not in my practice or your practice is feeling like we were able to connect with them and help them even just a little bit. So that feels good. It feels really good. We don't always get a ton of these moments about the podcast. You guys do email us and little behind the scenes. When we got an amazing comment from one of you, I screenshot it and put it in a shared album that Steph and I share on our iPhones. Just so when we're having these heated moments, maybe like the one I was having before we hit record, we have something that we can go back to and reminds us of why we're doing what we're doing, right? Mm -hmm. So I really wanted to do this episode on student resistance and the pushback (laughs) that we get. We want to say that we don't always encounter pushback from every learner. That's true. Some learners come in and they will take everything we say Yes. And just do it and move on. And it's very much like Alex Mm -hmm. in episode 53. He was Rachel's client and he wrote down and knew all the things and listened to all the things. Right. That is so special and unique, but we want to honor those clients of ours and those students of ours who are so open and their mindset is so open to growing. Mm Mm-hmm. But we also have the flip side of that, which is we do get pushbacks. It tends to be more from middle school and high school students, but it can be from younger ones as well. Mm -hmm. And it is super personality dependent. Some learners are just more rigid than others. Yeah. And sometimes our primary goal for a client is to have some flexibility in their approach. So it's not even super academic goal. But if they learn to have that overall flexibility, everything improves. The academics will follow. Yeah. And I want to give an example of this because you might not even realize to the point of if your child is rigid about certain things, they might be super flexible about some things and some things they feel rigid about. And an example I have is I was working with a client recently and she's younger. So she's an example of a younger learner that's got some rigidity. And it was earlier on, and I've only seen her a few times, and I pulled out a game that she knew how to play. And I said, we're going to play it like this. And my pushback that she gave me was, that's not how you play the game. Mm. Those aren't the rules. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, sometimes in here, we're going to change the rules. Sometimes we're not going to do it the way that you might have learned it before. And this is a big cue for me to know that she's not going to be ready for things that she can manage by herself at the moment, but isn't doing efficiently. I get what you're saying. So for the things that she's already doing, Mm -hmm. you're going to get resistance on changing those things. Right. So did you decide that your time would be better spent 
focusing on like forward thinking stuff on the stuff maybe she wasn't doing yet and didn't have a plan for her? Yeah. So I need to go for the remediation of a few things yeah. because she's behind. And so I have to go with, I know she's struggling with those. So she might be a little bit more open because it's so hard with the strategy she's trying to use. It's going to be the strategies that she's had some success with mm-hmm. that she's going to be more rigid with. Right. Mm-hmm. And so one of the activities that I did with her was to pick a game that she already knew how to play. So she picked a game and it took her a minute because I have a lot of games, as you all know. Mm-hmm. And I said, we're going to make our own rules. So she told me rules and I wrote them down. And, you know, she's a little bit younger, so they weren't as cohesive and whatnot yet. But sure, we just had the talk about how we can change things and it can still work. Mm-hmm. That's going to be my goal for her for a little while is just working on the flexibility and doing some remediation. But hopefully my end goal is that once I've taught her some flexibility, that I can make changes to the things that she's had some success with so that she could be overall more successful. Mm -hmm. So that's just an example anyway for you guys. I have an example for my practice. If you guys have listened to episode 23, we talk about the highly gifted student. Sometimes we find that students who are really bright can be very rigid about making any changes. And we talk about a lot of different things in that episode. And we'll be sure to put episode 23 in the show notes to this episode. And so I've been working with a client who's extremely highly gifted and also has ADHD for about maybe the school year, maybe a little bit longer. Maybe we're coming up on our year anniversary. And I have noticed a shift in our sessions in the last six weeks. I've brought it to his attention in that it used to be every time I made a suggestion, and it could be something very small, it could be he very much enjoys note cards, like creating flashcards for himself. And I could suggest maybe we use different color flashcards or maybe you skip lines in between so it's more readable. Mm -hmm. And I would never give him more than one or two ideas on how to change things. And the pushback was intense, you guys. And I'm sure you're sitting there thinking like, this is an easy change for the student to make, which it totally is. But for him, his goal wasn't actually making the changes. It was being open to making these changes. In the last six weeks, it's been like an avalanche of change and including new ideas. What we find from these students who are rigid is that they really dig their heels in initially. Getting that first moment of flexibility is really hard. Mm -hmm. It can take months to even have them change one thing. And it's through repetition. It's through multiple exposures to a different idea. Listen, when you're in here during my 50 minutes... Because I do consider them my 50 minutes in my sessions with them. You're going to do it this way, just in here. When you get that first win, it does not take as long to get that second win. Yeah, it's true. And suddenly, you've also built up trust and rapport. 
And in this case, I've worked a lot with his parents on how to help themselves feel better about everything that's going on too. Yeah. And so their overall home life has improved. But it was so funny because I was talking about this with him and I said, what do you think the shift is? And he goes, you know, I just sort of got exhausted from having the fight with you. <laughs> oh, that's so And I was funny. like, I never felt like we were fighting. And he goes, no. It just got to the point where I'd heard you say things so many times that why would you keep telling me something or suggesting something if it was going to hurt me, which was one of the things I had actually said to him maybe like two, three months ago was why would I keep bringing this up if it was going to hurt? I posted about it on my Instagram. He was the student who, without me even asking him, he was prepping for finals on his own and he included a buffer day in his calendar. And I saw it and I was like... Did we do this in here? Because you guys, sometimes I forget. And he's like, no, no, no. I put it in one. I put in my final schedule. My heart broke open. I was so happy. That's for it. it was awesome. I think I want to bring up also that we talked about growth mindset in episode 39. And if you haven't listened to that one and you aren't familiar with growth mindset and you have a rigid child, that would be a really great episode for you to listen to so that you can see what growth mindset is all about and how we can incorporate it little bits at a time Mm -hmm. to help not just academically and educationally, but in all parts of our kids' lives. So now that we've chatted a bit about the problem, here's kind of our process and our approach for how we think about working on rigidity with our students and flexibility and how we counteract the top five reasons that they don't want to be flexible. Mm -hmm. So the first are the questions that we ask ourselves prior to making a suggestion. By the way, Smarties, this is why educational therapy is a long-term play. It takes time. This is an example of the intentionality that we have to have when we're working with each individual student. So the first question we ask ourselves is, is this necessary? Does it serve a larger mission? And does the good outweigh the uncomfortableness of the change? So with those three questions, number one, is it necessary? Well, it might be if your student is failing, for instance. Mm -hmm. It could be something as simple as that. It could be that a change needs to happen just out of necessity for logistics. Mm -hmm. For example, necessity of logistics. If we have a kid that we want to go down to one binder because they're losing all the other binders, that's necessity because they're losing all the things that they need. Yeah. Does it serve our larger mission? A larger mission being making it easier for our students, right? But you can apply this to your home too, mm-hmm. circumstance. And does the good outweigh the uncomfortableness of the change? And just like with anything, when we're changing how we do things, there's going to be a period of relearning and adjustment and uncomfortableness. And sometimes I can get students to do it just based on trusting me, right? even though they can't see through the trees yet. And that's not always the case. Sometimes I have to present it in a way where they can see the end goal. It really depends on the learner. Is that your experience, Rach? Totally depends on the learner. That is my experience. And as you were talking, Steph, I was thinking like, these are the three questions that are the answers to the top five reasons learners don't want to make change. 
if we can present an argument to our learners that is respectful of their process and we explain why it is necessary, we explain how it serves our larger mission. Part of what we're doing as educational therapists is we're helping our learners be aware of how they learn. It's the metacognition. Mm-hmm. And so we're very explicit with our learners that if you make this change, our goal in here is for you to no longer lose papers. Yep. That's how it serves the larger mission. And does the good outweigh the uncomfortableness of a change? We need to honor the fact that change is uncomfortable. And they need to hear that we get that this is not easy for them. Mm-hmm. It's like, Steph, when you wanted me on my phone to switch over to Google Calendar, mm-hmm. I calendar on my phone through the iPhone native app, and you feel that the Google Calendar one is better, mm-hmm. and I gave you a week of it. The behind the scenes of this is I went back, <laughs> but I gave you a week, and you were like, Rachel, I know that this is going to feel weird to you, but I am telling you it will be better. And it serves my larger mission of having everything streamlined and doing less and getting more. That's what the argument that you were making with me was, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. And for that example, I like to use the actual Google Calendar app because I like to use the reminders and things and that shows up. Which I don't use. There's downfalls to everything, right? Nothing's going to be perfect, but Change is definitely hard. Even for some people, moving your icons on your iPhone is a hard change. Oh, my I know people that struggle with that. That's funny that you brought that up because the other day, so I put my Gmail app on another screen, like it's no longer in the bottom bar because I was becoming a little obsessive about checking it. And it's now for whatever reason in a different spot. And I keep hitting on the wrong app when I go to check my mail. It's hard to adjust. <laughs> It is. It's hard to adjust because things become automatic, even though they're not necessarily the best for you. So I'm sure you guys are dealing with that as kids grow and mature and their hormones start changing. Just because you did one thing before also doesn't mean that it has to stay that way. And that goes for parenting too, right? You could decide that at one point, this is how you want things to be done in your home and you have the right to change and it's going to be uncomfortable for your child but it's also a teaching moment, right? And so teaching them that change can happen and it can be okay and it can help them. Not all the time, but (laughs) it can help somebody. Maybe it'll help you. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, going back to Mm -hmm. it, I think that if you have a student or learner or child that needs to know the end goal before you get there, know that about your kid. And if you have a kid that that's too much and they don't care about the end result, then you have to start smaller. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Steph, let's dig into the top five reasons learners give us that they don't want to make a change. One of the reasons we wanted to do this episode was to talk about the rigidity, but also we always like making our audience feel like they're not the only ones. Yeah. Our very first episode, episode one is called You're Not Alone. It's a big mission of this podcast to help our audience to understand that at least we get it. And we guarantee you there are other parents listening to the same thing that get it also. And it's one of my favorite things when we get like a new client call for me to say, can I just tell you what I anticipate you saying about your kid? And I start talking about, look, I know what a kid with ADHD in eighth grade, what the issues are. Yeah. 
And the parent sits there and goes, yes, yes. It makes them feel really understood and, and normalizes things. So this is one of the reasons we wanted to frame the episode this way. So the first one, stuff. I don't want to do it this way. The good old-fashioned rigidity. Or just the, no, <laughs> no thank you. <laughs> it's nice when they say thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, occasionally. Or I don't like it. Or any sort of version of that. And I'm sure you've heard a lot of them. <laughs> but that's just good old-fashioned rigidity. They don't want to make the change. Mm-hmm. The second thing. This is how my teacher wants me to do it. Oh, boy. Smarties. <laughs> Teachers don't care. About 95% of the things that we're asking students to make changes about. Yeah, I think there are some scenarios where it is true, but a lot of times the teachers are understanding if they get to the end product, even if it's not the same way. Right. This is one of the big pushbacks that I get from kids in sixth grade who have multiple binders for their classes. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes schools will present that as you have a binder per class. And then within that binder, you have five dividers for per class. Well, for students that we work with, it doesn't work often. Yeah. Not going to say always. Some students are able to manage it. The students I see Generally, one of the big complaints parents make and one of the things that our learners are reporting to us is that they don't have the right thing at the right time. Yeah. And one of the big things that they say is, this is how my school told me to do it. Well, I have the benefit of having relationships with schools, right? And with their teachers. Mm -hmm. But what I have found is when it comes to organizational systems, teachers want students to be able to produce what they want when they ask for it on demand. Yeah, and they want them to be successful. Right. So if a different system is suggested, oftentimes what I do is if I have prior knowledge, I go, dude, I know we're good on this. I've worked with your teacher on this before. It's just really going to help. And if the student needs more, then I email the teacher or the school for confirmation. Mm-hmm. Especially if they're doing it different from their peers. But I will tell you, with the binder issue... I've had students tell me that their peers switched after seeing theirs. Yeah. It's easier. It really is. It's easier. Yeah. And the third reason is this is how I've always done it. (sighs) (laughs) Do you guys hear that sigh? (laughs) (laughs) This goes back to really having metacognition about just because this is how you've done something so far doesn't mean that it's the most efficient or the way that works best for your brain or that there isn't another way to do things. Right. Number four, that sounds like more work in addition to what I'm already doing. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) That's a good one. Well, oftentimes this comes up and I have to say when I'm introducing something and... I get that pushback. I often will sit there and say, can you trust me on this? Yes. Can we just try? Sometimes it's let's try for a week or two weeks, depending on a student and let's see, and let's get your feedback. The other thing that I always do is let's try it this way. 
And then let's pivot as we figure out what works and what doesn't work. And sometimes I can get them on board with just that. You're modeling flexibility. Yeah. Or let's try it your way. And if it doesn't work, then let's try it my way. And very often when that happens, it doesn't work the kid's way that they wanted to do it. And so I go back to, okay, we tried it your way. And I said, okay, but you agree that if it didn't work, then it could be my way. And sometimes I get them that way Mm -hmm. too. So it just depends. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The fifth way is I don't understand how that's better. I actually appreciate it when a learner is able to come back at me with this objection. Mm-hmm. What they're asking is for an explanation. Yeah. They want to know why it's necessary. They want to know how it serves our larger mission. They want to know why they should go through the uncomfortableness of making a change. And it allows for that conversation about who they are as a learner and what we want for them as a learner. Something that I'm realizing is when we get these objections from our clients and our learners, it is an opportunity to have that conversation about who they are in the world and how they approach things. And we should be welcoming this opportunity to have the higher level conversation about what their goals are in here. Speak your strategies in here. Yeah. Why are we doing what we're doing? Let's go back to why you're here. Yeah. It's a real opportunity when you're getting this pushback to partner and remind and explain. Mm -hmm. And those are the kids that want the end goal. Yeah. Right. Those are the kids that need to understand the bigger picture. And some kids' brains, some people's brains just work that way. Right. You know, I don't want to put it out there that the kids that are asking those questions are better than the kids that don't. No. But it's just the way that their brain sees things. For instance, for me, I sometimes have to see the end result. A lot of times I have to see the end result in order to understand (laughs) how to get there. Yes. And that's how my brain works. And you know that about me. Mm -hmm. And you are the exact opposite. Yes. (laughs) I do not need to. Yes. (laughs) I seem to have an ability to just get going on something without knowing what the end result is going to look like. Yeah. I'm like comfortable with that. Yeah. I like knowing what the end result should look like. Yeah. But I don't need it to initiate. Yeah. And I definitely do. You do. So I'll initiate (laughs) for the both of us. Yeah. That's why this works. (laughs) Yeah. But it's so funny because now we're at the point if we're working on something, I'll know which ones you need an example of, right? <laughs> you don't even ask for it anymore. I'm like, I got it. <laughs> no, because I, because you know, that makes me happy. <laughs> yeah. So I'm wondering if you guys have experienced any other types of resistance that we are not thinking of. Yeah. I would love for you guys to share and go in the group in Smarties of Learn Smarter podcast to see if there's something that we could add or that you're seeing with your learner or student or child. We'd love it. If you're interested in joining our community, the link is always in the show notes. It's the Smarties of the Learn Smarter podcast Facebook group. So Smarties, thanks for helping me calm down from feeling irritated today. And here's what I would love. I would love it if you guys would either write us an email 
asking us to come on and do an on-air coaching call or just wanting to connect with us. And we would love it if you would go to iTunes and give us a five-star review. It helps other people find the podcast. And quite frankly, we screenshot them. We share them with each other. And it reminds us of why we do what we do. Yeah. So that would be awesome. It would be awesome. Yeah. All right, Smarties, have a great week. Have a great week.